I'm Kim Strobel, and this is She Finds Joy. I've struggled with overcoming adversities throughout my life, feeling defeated and not having the confidence to go after what I wanted. But within every adversity, it can also sow the seed for something more in our lives. For me, that is teaching others to step into the arena of bigness, all while doing hard things and reaching for more joy and happiness along the way. I'm a truth-telling, real-talk happiness coach who believes in giving you the tools to create a life you love. Welcome to the zero fluff, no BS advice that gives you the small steps for big joy. Hello, everyone. So last episode, we heard from my cousin and a certified integrative nutrition health coach, Kathy Riley, who was really talking to us about why we need to rethink what we've been led to believe around diet culture, as well as how we can start to have meals that keep us satisfied and satiated, which I love that word. We were discussing the 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal and the 10 to 30 grams of healthy fats and the 5 to 15 grams of fiber. So if you have not listened to part one, you are going to want to go back and listen. So I want to go further with this topic, Kathy. I want to know, because on the last episode, I felt like you really covered some basic things and some myths that we've been led to believe, mm-hmm. but you, you have this idea. Okay. First of all, you don't recommend counting calories and I kind of, kind of love that. And I want to know more about it. Okay. I do not recommend counting calories or weighing our food on a scale because how does an app on your phone know how hungry you are? How does an app know what your daily movement looks like for the day? Um, You know, how does it know what type of job you have? Are you living a sedentary lifestyle or are you a nurse? Are you on your feet all day long? Are you in front of a computer? How many times are you hitting the gym? So, I think that it is really important to ditch the MyFitnessPals out there. And I just need to say a hallelujah to that because my girlfriends were all downloading those apps. And like I got so stressed out that when I added that app, I deleted it the same day because I'd already hit my calorie count by like 1 p.m., which completely depressed me. And so I deleted that. So I love you even more for saying that. But keep going. Yeah, I mean – Who wants to have to log every time you take a bite of food or guess how, you know, okay, was that a fourth of a cup or a half of a cup or whatever? I mean, it just becomes so mentally exhausting. And again, it is not a sustainable way to lose weight because you cannot use MyFitnessPal forever. I mean, I guess you could, but nobody in their right mind would want to do that. Um, So I think that it is very important to forget everything you have ever thought you knew or felt about diet, diet culture, you know, what people have taught you in the past and start from scratch and learn how to really eat intuitively. And that can be really difficult for some people, but you have to take a step back and take baby steps towards that because It is very, very important to let your hormones work the way that they are meant to work. So tell you when they are hungry, tell you when you are starting to get full, you know, not 
only making a meal because the time on the clock says it's time to eat. So those things like really, really honing in and listening to your body and what it needs and how the things are making you feel. And I I love this idea of eating intuitively and listening to what your body is telling you it needs. No more of like, I just have to fill these belly pains for the next three hours because my thing says I'm not allowed to eat again. Like that is just, and Cassie, tell us why, like we actually sabotage our bodies when we do these crazy things where we limit ourselves to a small calorie count. Like what, why do we, don't we almost make it harder to lose weight going forward? Tell us about that. Yeah. So first and foremost, you're totally demolishing your metabolism in the way that it's supposed to work. So People think eating this way is helping them lose weight, but what they're really doing is they're lowering their metabolic flexibility. So then, you know, if your body's only used to a thousand calories a day, you're going to get to a point where you can never lose weight again, or you have to only be eating 500 calories a day, which is not sustainable. So that's kind of where like that metabolism really comes into play in my program because we work on boosting that metabolism and creating that flexibility in your metabolism so that, you know, you can have the cookie and not gain five pounds. You can go on vacation and really enjoy your vacation in moderation, let's say, but enjoy your vacation and not come back and say, oh my gosh, I just gained 10 pounds on vacation. Like, so you, we work towards that metabolic flexibility. Well, and I think that that's why I'm so intrigued by your approach because I'm I'm thinking of a couple of things. First of all, like I'm the only girlfriend out of my whole girlfriend group that has really never ever done like a diet. Now, I will admit I've done that silly um Advocare detox for 20 days, but usually by day three, I'm eating everything I'm not supposed to eat because I've already failed at that, right? So I actually, am I correct in hearing you say that Kim's approach, even though it's not great that I'm used to this probably really high calorie count, and I've told you I combat that by all the exercise, which I understand is a problem and doesn't work either, but perhaps my approach to never dieting personally myself is actually better than some of my friends who have constantly for the last 20 years are they're every six months, they're doing some kind of drastic diet. So yeah. my metabolism might actually, I'm trying to make myself feel better here, Cassie. <laughs> my metabolism may be functioning better because I've never completely restricted myself. Absolutely. I think so. Because I think it, it goes back to, to also like people who are dieting and restricting, they're placing all this extra stress on their bodies that's not necessary. And stress is causing inflammation, which we talked about in part one. And when you're inflamed and constantly stressed and cortisol's through the roof, fat loss and weight loss is going to be put on the back burner again. So yeah, you're a pro. <laughs> so, but I want to read out it. to all of my listeners who are we're, we're all guilty of this, right? 95% or whatever the stats are of, of women in particular do the fad diets. And if you remember from session one, a fad diet is like Weight Watchers or a Nutrisystem or the Biggest Loser or the No Carb Diet or the Keto Diet. 
These are fad diets, and what you're actually doing, even though you might lose the weight for 30 days, you're actually hijacking your own metabolic system that's going to make it even harder for you going forward. So I really want to make sure that we're understanding that. Now, the other thing that I really like about your approach, Cassie, is so I do feel like I have this. So I've always been upset with myself because my eating habits are very poor, even though they are greatly improved from a few years ago, they're still not the best. And I can just feel inside of me like I want I want to feel more satisfied. I, I don't want to get up and just eat the chips and shove them in my mouth so that I can curb my craving and then feel hungry again an hour later and then I'm back in the pantry looking for something. So there is something inside of me that is speaking to me to like feed my body better because I really think like not just from a looks wise, but I think I will feel better because I know my husband and I do this crazy thing where starting on Thursday nights. So I try to stay away from cooks and cakes and cupcakes and all of that Monday through Thursday. And I'm just going to say like it is, this is, this is my mentality. Come Thursday night, I start getting like the cakes out of the freezer that I've frozen or the cookies. And then my husband and I tell ourselves from Thursday to Sunday, we're just going to gorge. We're just going to eat out every meal, whatever we want. And we're going to eat all the snacks. But every Sunday, he and I are like, oh, my God, we feel so bad. Like we just why did we do this to ourselves again? And so it's like it's it's not working. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like this cycle of like you're restricting and you're putting in all this hard work Monday through Thursday. And then every weekend, you know, not saying you, but like, yeah, no, it's true though. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I think that goes back a little bit to the restriction. So when you don't allow yourself to have something, you think about it all the time, constantly. Yeah. Like as soon as you tell me I can't have chocolate cake, I want it more than ever. Exactly, exactly. So what I think about is, like, when you have this craving for a cookie, allow yourself to have the cookie, even if it's a Tuesday night, you know? You're not used to that, but, like, throw all these food rules out the window. But what if I'm used to, when I eat cookies, I eat, like, eight cookies, Cassie. So how do I handle that? So I think it goes back to the blood sugar again. Um, When you are balancing your blood sugar – and you're managing that blood sugar, keeping it under control throughout the day, you might not necessarily want the eight cookies because Ah. one or two might make you feel satisfied. So, and when you're not restricting for so many days in a row and you're just allowing yourself here and there to have it, then, you know, you might not just go so out of control when you, when you do have it over the weekend. So what you're saying is if you as a as my coach can get me my system back on track like where I'm actually controlling my blood sugar that my cravings might even go down. Yeah. And that's the goal too with managing that blood sugar, increasing the metabolic rate over time, those cravings are just going to go away. You know, and I see this a lot too people that start programs is they have three meals a day, and they, they're like, I still need my morning snack, and I still need my afternoon snack. Well, what they find is when they start following these recipes for these well-balanced meals, they don't need that morning snack anymore. And eventually, they're just like, I don't need this, you know? And and I just, I see it. Like, it just 
they just stop eventually. And so the same thing happens with like your nightly cravings and things like that. When you're managing that blood sugar and your body is saying, I'm drawing like a straight line here, instead of like constantly that blood sugar is like climbing over mountain after mountain, then it's going to be easier for you to keep those cravings under control. And then you can enjoy those sweet treats here and again, maybe at special events or like for an anniversary or whatever, whatever it is, or maybe it's just a Tuesday night because you want the cookie. But I, with time, you won't want the eight cookies because you'll, again, you'll feel so good. Yes. And, and that's the other approach. Like you're not like you're, you know, I even saw something you sent me where it's like, Hey, of course you can still have your, your glass of wine on the weekends, or you can have your, your, whatever it is. Like you, you don't have to take alcohol out. You don't have to take never eating pies or cookies or cakes. You don't have to take that out of your diet, but, mm-hmm. um, getting yourself to a place where you're not eating as much of that, or you're not craving as much of it. But I love that. You're not going to tell me, Kim, in order to do this, you're going to need to completely get rid of all sugar in your house. Like I would be like, well, that's just not going to happen, Cassie. I just, sorry. It's unrealistic in the world that we live in now. (laughs) Yes, yes. Okay, so tell us then how, okay, well, we're talking about you don't do calories. There's this other thing that you, and I love this about you too, Cassie, I have major scale anxiety. Like I never, ever, ever want to get on the scale. And then I have, again, I have people in my life who are getting on it every single day. They're like, I weigh myself every day. So Mm -hmm. your philosophy says ditch the scale. Yeah. I want to know about that. The scale is doo-doo people. (laughs) (laughs) So as women, women, especially your body weight is going to naturally fluctuate depending on your time of month where your hormones are at during the month, how much water you're drinking, are you hydrated or not, or are you dehydrated? Even something like working out, you know, you do a big strength building session and maybe that next day your muscles are a little bit inflamed because they're rebuilding and growing. That could even cause you to, you know, gain a couple of pounds. So Okay, I'm going to stop you because I'm going to tell you right now Depending on the during the month or what I've eaten, I can fluctuate like almost five pounds. Yeah. Oh, on a week, like on a weekly basis. It's like, oh, I didn't really just lose five pounds in one week because I didn't change anything. It's just that whatever I'm at a certain point in my cycle or I hydrated really well or whatever. So I love that you're saying that. Keep going. Okay. So another thing that's really important to think about, let's talk about cortisol stress. So when you go to step up on that scale, automatically those cortisol levels are spiking because you're thinking, is that number going to go up? Has it gone down? Has it maintained? So you're already stressing about it, right? And guess what that stress causes? Low-grade inflammation. If you see a number that morning on the scale that's maybe up a couple of ounces, which is no big deal, but to us, it's like, oh, Oh my gosh, all my hard work out the window. And then you're stressed about that number all day long and you become obsessed with that number. So that's another reason why I don't like the scale. You also have to think about weight loss being completely different from fat loss, right? So weight loss is looked at like kind of like water weight, like you're, you're losing water weight. 
fat loss is a little bit different. It's like it's a little bit more specific, but our generic scales that we buy don't really measure fat loss. So if you're working out a ton and you're eating super healthy and you're building muscle and losing fat, that scale might not change so much. But if you look in the mirror, you're like, dang, or you look at a before and after picture, your body composition might be changing, which is great. That's, you know, that's the goal here. You could be dropping dress sizes, but maybe that number on the scale doesn't fluctuate or change that much. And that's totally fine because the people around you are saying, dang, you look great. Oh, my gosh, you look like you've lost weight. So you know that something is working, right? So yeah, you, actually, you were telling me about a client that you have. That, tell us about that, that this actually happened to, because she basically weighs the same as she did when she started your program. Tell us right. that scenario. Yeah, so we started very slowly with introducing these well-balanced meals into her diet. Um, she works out like a boss. She loves the gym. She's doing hot yoga, weight training, walking, all the good things, but in the beginning, she was getting very discouraged because that number on the scale was not changing, but she did progress photos every 30 days. And when you look at month one compared to month three, I mean, it's like, holy moly, there, she looks like a different person and even feels like a different person. You can tell by the smile on her face in those progress photos, you know, that smile gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So but she's guilt, she's building so much muscle and losing so much fat and that body composition is changing and she's losing dress sizes. All great things and the people around her are noticing. So that's why I say, say, who cares about the scale? Who cares about the number on the scale? Measure your energy levels. Take before and after pictures or progress photos. You know, think about how your clothes are fitting you. Those are the important things to, I think, measure. And and I think it just, like, I feel relief when I hear you say that. I really do, because I'm someone who, <clears throat> I've always been more muscular built, so everybody's always shocked when I, like, I've always weighed way more than other people, but I feel like, you know, sometimes my dr- dress size isn't that far off from somebody else, but, like, I've always kind of felt guilty, because I'm always, I always weigh, like, 20 pounds more than a lot of people that are, you know, and I think it's just body composition is very different. And I, I love just getting away from that God awful number that drives us insane. Yeah. That feels really good to me. Hey everyone. I'm interrupting this podcast episode because I want to talk briefly just to the teachers who are all listening in. I heard a phrase from a superintendent back in January who said, my teachers are June tired and have been for most of last school year. I know that educator burnout is very real. Between preparing today's children for tomorrow, the challenges of delivering education during a pandemic, all while juggling virtual, remote, and in-person learning, the demands of education are so very heavy. I don't know how, folks, but somehow our jobs became even harder. Burnout can look like teachers leaving work feeling defeated. It can look like working nights and weekends just to keep up. And it can also look like irritability and having nothing left over for your own family, which is why I would love to do a back to school keynote for your teachers. I'm determined to help schools overcome burnout by taking control of their happiness 
with simple habits that help you create a work-life balance. I also created a set of mini courses that you can take online, maybe over the summer, to help you learn to take care of you. Be sure to check these out in the show notes at strobeleducation.com forward slash online courses. And if you'd like to book a keynote, you can simply go to strobeleducation.com forward slash speaking. Just know teachers that I see you, I feel you, and I'm rooting for you. Okay. So how can we healthify a meal, Cassie? And what does that mean? Like, how can we healthify a meal? Yeah. So there's a few things here. Um, and I say healthify, I don't think that's a word, but we like it. So we use it. Um, but I think about making really small tweaks to your meals um, and not necessarily ever taking things away, but adding things in. So can you add more plant foods? And I'm talking fruit, vegetables, nuts, seeds, whole grains, which a lot of people are scared of because it's a starchy carb and people are scared of carbs, but whole grains are so good for you. They provide your body with energy. So what are whole grains, Cassie? I don't even know. What would I buy that's whole grain other than bread? So whole grains would be like quinoa, brown or white rice, um, oats, like oatmeal. Okay. Um, Yeah. So that would be like a whole grain. Um, so you make these small tweaks to your meals and I really like to think about it as being really plant focused. And there's a, a difference here between plant focused and plant based. I would never tell someone that they need to go be a vegetarian or they need to be a pescatarian or whatever. But when you focus on getting more plants in your diet, you are naturally and effortlessly crowding out the junk food. So you are adding more fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, whole grains to your plate. And eventually you don't want the eight cupcakes anymore because you don't need them because you feel full and satisfied. Um, and so like small tweaks, like I would say, you know, it could be changing out the brand that you're buying of something. So maybe you look for a, a better alternative to the peanut butter that you've been eating your whole life. Oh, yeah. I want you to do that example of the peanut butter because you were yeah. explaining that like the low fat version of Skippy fools yeah. you into thinking that's the better choice, but it's really not. Right. Yeah. So when you look at these products that are labeling to be low fat, reduced fat, you know, whatever, low sodium, All that they are doing is stripping that peanut butter or whatever product it is of the macronutrient, which is a healthy fat. Peanuts are a source of healthy fat, which we want and like. So you're stripping that product of its one good thing and you're adding in junk to make up for it. Mm. So you're adding in chemicals, sodium, sugar, all of these things that are so unnecessary, you know, and all of, there's so many products out there that are sneaking in all these ingredients here and there, and they're they're fooling us to believe that it's the healthier version when, in reality, it's causing that inflammation in our body, um, and it's doing our body more harm than good. And I know one of the things that you provide your clients with is actually like brand recommendations. You have this whole list of 
you know, if you're going to buy peanut butter, this is what I recommend. Or if you're going to buy the chips, this is what I recommend. And that's super helpful because we do need to have alternative solutions for those kinds of things. And yeah. But we just don't know what to buy because we don't know how to read labels. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's not like I'm saying never have Mexican night again or never have pizza night again or whatever. But think about think about that pizza, that crust, your base, what you're starting with. How can we tweak that just a little bit to make it just a little bit more nourishing for our bodies and and looking at those brands out there? And there's so many cool new brands that are coming out with really nourishing products. So I like providing that for my clients because, again, I don't want them to feel restricted from the things that they love. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing, too, is as Cassie was emailing me examples of, like, her food plan or her recommended brands, and then I immediately shot back with, like, Cassie, I live in Tell City. We we go to, you know, Walmart a lot of times for mm-hmm. our grocery shopping, and you came back with, okay, well, I do know that Walmart's getting better. They're providing, you know, this, this, and this is what they're now providing, so look for those items, but also, hey, Kim, once a month, take an hour drive to Evansville, Indiana and go to a Costco or go to a Whole Foods and like stock up on some of those items there. So, you know, there's ways around this, even if we feel like we're kind of creating these mental blocks in our head of why it can't happen. There are other creative solutions. And I like that you always come back with an alternative solution. Yeah. Yeah. There's one other thing I want to touch on very quickly. on this. Yeah. So I actually, I wish I came up with this, but I got this from the nutritionist that I worked with. um, And she talked about how you should make vegetables the main event on your plate. And a lot of times in the Midwest, especially, we make meat the main event, right? Oh, we're having steak. What sides can we put with the steak? So thinking about making vegetables or plant foods, whatever those might be, the main main event, 50 to 75% of your plate, and then filling the plate up with those other things. Um, and I, this is how I do it, but I like to look at protein, animal-based meat, salmon, steak, chicken, whatever, as a garnishment or condiment. Because, mm. you know, a lot of times... I feel that we're over consuming. It's not necessarily that the red meat is so bad for you. It's because you're eating 12 ounces of ribeye. Right. Right. (laughs) You know, we, so you don't, you don't need that much. You don't have to cut the ribeye out, but maybe look at, at meat as more of a garnishment or condiment on your plate instead of the main event. And so when I'm thinking about vegetables, um, you know, how do you prepare vegetables? Like what's one example of, because you can make vegetables unhealthy by adding too much stuff to them, right? So like if I'm going to fix broccoli or sweet potatoes or whatever, like Mm -hmm. what's a basic way for us to do that, that where they taste really good, Cassie, but they don't have like all this extra stuff on them. Yeah. I love to experiment with fresh herbs and seasonings. So When I make a big tray of vegetables, say I'm doing broccoli, toss it in some avocado oil and sprinkle it with garlic powder, Mm. maybe a little bit of onion powder. Um, Here's one of my favorites, sweet potatoes, okay? Okay. Cube them, toss them in an olive oil or avocado oil with cinnamon, 
Mm. And then put a little bit of drizzle of nut butter over the top of them, like an almond butter or cashew butter. So you're getting a ton of fiber from your sweet potato, and you're also getting some healthy fats and protein from that nut butter that you're using. And the cinnamon, cinnamon is also a great way to balance blood sugar. Um, so there's, if somebody tells me, I don't like vegetables, I can't do this program, like I don't eat vegetables – you're not preparing them correctly then. <laughs> right, right, right. Because I think that's you know, true. They can be so good and so nourishing. And maybe there's some, like, I don't like asparagus and I don't like Brussels sprouts. No matter how I make them, I don't love them. My body doesn't like them. They don't sit well with me. And that's okay. So finding the vegetables that you do love, getting a variety in your diet, because that's really going to help the micro, the gut microbiome. Feed the good bacteria in our guts when you're getting a variety of these things. But experiment. Put some fresh parsley or cilantro on them. Dice up some onion and jalapenos and garlic seasoning, you know, cumin, whatever. So now, can I salt and pepper them, Cassie? Yes. So I love fresh ground pepper. Um, and I use sea salt and pink Himalayan salt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now... Let's see. I had some questions here as I'm thinking about these things. So I love the idea of making your vegetable the biggest proportion on your plate. And I feel like I used to hate vegetables and now I really do love them because I think my husband does a really good job of fixing them. But now I have even a couple more tips for him that I've gotten from you. So now I'm going to go with you here on this because I always like to keep things really practical. So one of the things that I was eating as a nutritious snack was cottage cheese and pineapple. So I think that's a pretty nutritious snack, right? Yeah. But my, I was getting fresh pineapple, which is super expensive from Walmart. And then it was going bad. So then I said, Hey hubby, just go get the canned pineapple. Mm -hmm. Is that a bad idea? I... Do not think it's a bad idea, but it's going to depend on the brand that you buy. So fresh is always going to be best, but we don't always have a fresh option. Or maybe it doesn't fit within our budget, and that's okay, too. But I think it's just important. Look at the ingredients on the can. Okay, what am I looking for, Cassie? Is it just pineapple and water, or are they adding pure cane syrup to it? Ooh, yes, 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 yes. So that happens a lot with those like, you know, those little dole fruit cups? Yes. You ate those growing up. But yeah. I think back to those and I always wondered, like, why is it so syrupy? Yeah. I haven't looked at the ingredients in a long time, but I guarantee you <laughs> that there's some kind of syrup in there that is not good. So <laughs> yeah, we're feeding that to our kids and thinking that's a healthy snack. Yeah. yeah. Fruit is naturally sweet on its own. And the more fruit, the more fresh fruit that you eat, the more those taste buds in your mouth will change and alter to that. So if you're really used to super duper sweet stuff, the more you slowly start to dabble in more of these fresh food items, those taste buds will start to change and you'll realize eventually like, oh my gosh, I can't even eat this fake sugar anymore because it doesn't taste good. I've heard that from so many people before. I have. Um, I want to ask you one more question, too, about, like, the healthy fats. When we were talking about the nuts and the seeds, how do you measure those? We know how you measure your protein with the palm of your hand. How do you measure your healthy fats? Yeah, so I look at healthy fats as one to two servings of healthy fat. Um, So 
again, I look at my hand, right? The palm is going to be like your protein. I do a peace sign for my one to two servings of healthy fat, just as my reminder. And then kind of like from your knuckles up to your fingertips is kind of how I measure. But honestly, I love tablespoons when it comes to like a nut butter or just a regular spoon. It Again, it does not have to be perfect. One to two tablespoons of a nut butter. Um, if you're going for like some chopped up walnuts or pecans or almonds, I typically use like a fourth cup um, for okay. that. That's good to but, know. But one to two servings and just remembering that like it doesn't, it does not have to be perfect, right? right. Once you measure out a tablespoon one time, you, you know what that looks like moving Right. <laughs> but I have to have some parameters because last yeah. night when I was eating my cereal, and the walnuts were tasting so good in it. I literally just had the whole bag, and I just kept pouring more and more. Yeah, so yeah. I do. I kind of have to have like some type of gauge. My personality yeah. does need to know. Yeah, I mean that is important, especially with healthy fats, because they are extremely nutrient dense, but they are high calorie, right? And yeah. so even though we don't really pay attention to calories, like you could potentially overdo it. So you do want to just be mindful of those serving sizes for sure. This, it, I just think. Every single thing you've been talking about on part one and now part two is is the complete opposite of what we've all been led to. It's just blowing my mind because it makes so much sense. I don't know how we've gotten so far away from this. I mean, I know it's driven by, you know, the selling of products and all of this, but it's crazy to me to think about it's such a common sense approach that you're using, but it's also the least approach that we've ever been taught you know yeah yeah I, okay, I have a couple things. more questions for you yeah. all right what is the number one thing you can do to have a healthier relationship with food um okay so there's two things here actually <laughs> okay I want to hear so, two things so number one I think it is about practicing gratitude being super thankful for the food on your plate, for that food, because it is going to nourish your body, mind, and soul. And just being thankful that that you have the opportunity to go to the grocery store, pick out your food, pick what you want for dinner. You know, most of us do have that opportunity. So being really thankful for that. Um, And I think, too, it goes back to that, like, thinking about how that food makes you feel. Not how you look. Is this food going to make me look skinny? No. Is this food going to make me feel confident, make me feel sexy, make me feel more energized? So really thinking about your food choices and how they make you feel. Because that food that you are consuming is feeding your cells. And your cells make up your body on the most micro level, right? And cells turn into tissues and tissues into organs and organs into whole systems. So really being mindful of like, is this 100 calories of Doritos going to make me feel good? Or should I reach for the 100 calories of this delicious you know, roasted garlicky broccoli that is going to really feed my soul and my mind and, you know, physically going to allow me to go throughout my day and do what I need. Yes. Yes. I love that. And again, you know, going back to your Instagram, which her Instagram, everyone is B B E underscore nutriated. And I'll drop that in the show notes, but I have to admit like watching your, like you make food look so beautiful and so good. Like you want 
I mean, I just think that you've convinced me that these things that I thought could never taste good actually can taste good. And then they can feel good as you ingest them into your body. And then you can feel good even a couple of hours later. So I have one last question for you. You know, I'm a huge exerciser and I think my mentality has been just keep exercising and upping your exercise, Kim, because you don't want to get control of your eating habits. You don't want to change anything. So instead of running 30 miles a week, we're going to now run 40 miles a week and we're going to add spin class in there once a week. And we're going to walk with the husband 16 miles a week. And like I am the, you know, exercise guru. And I, I think over the years, I've just told myself this is the way to combat that, which I know that it is not. I, I actually do know that I also have to change my eating habits. Hmm. But is there a type of exercise that is best for fat loss? Yes. So I'm going to start with this first. The exercise that is best for fat loss is going to be an exercise that you enjoy, right? Mm. So one that you are super excited about because you are going, you know, to a group class, that with all your friends, it's a welcoming environment. You're going to release those happy endorphins. You're going to feel good while you're in there. You're going to work harder. You're going to push yourself a little bit stronger. So starting with that, find something that you're excited about because we've all done this probably, but I've, I've had memberships before where I would sit in my car in the parking lot and cry because I'm like, I don't want to go in. I don't want to do this. Why did I sign up for this class? And now if I cancel, they're going to charge me. So finding things that you enjoy. Now I'm going to stop you right there because I think that is so important because when I tell people I'm a runner, um, I think that people then are like, oh, well, I, I need to start running. And they all convince themselves that they want to be runners. And I'm like, if you do want to become a runner, I know that you can. But I think it's about choosing the exercise that you are excited about, just like you said. So for me, I know it sounds people listening are going to be like, seriously, Kim, but Cassie, I get so excited to run every morning. Like I'm like, I get to put my tennis shoes on. I get to leash my dogs up. Like I just, I just feel so good. Like I love running, but we're not saying everybody has to love running. You just have to find something that you enjoy. And then if you can find it, it's not going to be, it's going to become part of your identity and who you are. Yeah, exactly. So I also have to pair that with something else though, too, because When you think about fat loss, in order to lose more fat at resting state, you need more muscle. You need to build muscle. So let's talk a little bit about the steady state cardio, which would be like long distance running or something like that versus strength training sessions. Um, Strength training is going to help you build muscle. And it is super important to build that muscle so that we can lose more fat more effortlessly. Um, but strength training can look like so many different things, you know, power vinyasa yoga, Pilates, bar class. Maybe you have a personal trainer and you lift weights. It doesn't, and it also doesn't have to be something super strenuous, you know, or hardcore. It doesn't have to be CrossFit. I would actually like not recommend CrossFit, mm-hmm. but um, it can be something that's low impact, but something that is going to help you build more muscle. And when you're building that muscle, you're going to be able to lose more fat. So if someone like you really loves to run, keep doing what you love, but I would recommend adding in two to three strength training sessions and find a strength training 
that you like, that you enjoy. Um, and there's so many options now, too, like with apps and online and things that you can do from home. It doesn't have to necessarily be something expensive that you have to pay for and go to, you know, a couple times a week. It can be something that you do from your living room, but even body weight exercises. So um, I'm laughing because here's my strength training program. Are you ready? Yes. I hope this counts, but I think it's probably not going to count. Every After every run, I do 25 boy push-ups. I love it. I love it. You know what you should do? You can add this to it. You can pick up one of your puppies and do squats with your puppies. Oh, there you go. Okay, so 25 squats with my pup and 25 push-ups. See, I have to make this manageable. Yeah, exactly. Good, yeah. Well, I think like, you know, I'm like, I know it's not like going to a gym and doing the weights. Like, I don't have time for that. I just need to like, as soon as I get in from my run, I go in the bathroom, I strip off my clothes, and I immediately go down and do my push-ups, and then I'm done, you know? Yeah, there you go. I can add some squats, maybe. Yeah. There's a workout that you can just get it on YouTube. It's free. It's called the seven-minute workout. And I can send you a link to it. Um, Send me the link and we'll drop it in the show notes. Yeah. And it is scientifically proven to help build strength. um, And it's body weight exercises. You know, you don't need any equipment, a chair. That's it. Wow. And and a floor or yoga mat if you want to do it on a yoga mat. But it's really awesome. And a lot of these practitioners that I follow, a lot of them have been talking about it, especially during quarantine when we couldn't go anywhere and people just wanted something super, you know, quick and effective because when you're working that. out by yourself at home, it's very hard to do something for 45 minutes or an hour. Yes. Okay. We'll so, drop that too. Yeah. All right. So I think that after we've done a couple of sessions, there's probably people who are like, I think I need Kathy in my life. And <laughs> so um, I know that you offer coaching programs where you actually work with people anywhere from one month to three months on really how to adopt a a healthy lifestyle. And that includes meal plans and grocery shopping lists and coaching sessions from you. What is the best way if somebody's wanting to reach out and maybe ask you what that entails that they could get a hold of you, Cassie? Yeah, so they can send me a direct message on my Instagram page. It's B underscore nutritiated. Or they can shoot me an email, uh, and my email is b.nutritiated at gmail.com. Um, yeah, and, and I would love that. From there, we I book discovery calls with everybody. It's a free intro session to just figure out what your goals are, how I can help them. Um, and, and from there, we build a specific wellness plan um, to get them started on their journey. Fantastic. I'm, I think I'm calling it be nutriated. It's be nutritiated. Nutritiated, yeah. <laughs> hard to say because it's made up. (laughs) I like it though. I like it. Thanks so much for sharing your best tips, Cassie. I really appreciate you being here these last two sessions. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the time with you. Thank you so much for joining me on the She Finds Joy show today. I'm so honored that you chose to listen to this episode. As always, this conversation will be continued in my free private Facebook group, called She Finds Joy. You can join that group by going to kimstrobel.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other people just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we drop a new episode every other Wednesday. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to kimstrobel.com forward slash review. 
that will put you in Apple Podcast, where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down just a little bit, you can leave a five-star review and write a few sentences letting me know what you thought. It's so very important to get people to leave a review for my podcast. The reviews help me get higher on the iTunes list, and that will show up when people are searching for a new podcast, and it will really help us get new subscribers. So if I could ask one little favor for you just to go to kimstrubble.com forward slash review, give us a review and give us a comment and let us know what's been helpful. Thank you so much for listening in. I am really honored to be a part of this community with you.